topic this morning from John 14 is why God the Holy Spirit matters. Why God the Holy Spirit matters. And even as I say that, some of you might be thinking, oh, this could go a lot of different directions. We could be talking the, the morning about spiritual gifts. We could be talking about speaking in tongues. We could be talking about miracles. What direction are we going to go with the Holy Spirit? Up on the screen, there's going to be a little bit of a, a graphic that kind of explains the, the two camps that kind of exist within Christianity when it comes to the view of the Holy Spirit. The camp on the left says quench. One camp tends to minimize the Holy Spirit. Maybe to that individual or that camp, they would say, okay, there, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Word. Where's God the Holy Spirit? Not in there. Some value the word so much and detach the fact that we have a God who also has given us his spirit. Within that camp, they might doctrinally accept the Holy Spirit, but functionally ignore. Within this camp, it might be more of a practice, too, to see the Holy Spirit as interpersonal, something that is not to be related to, more of an idea, not a he, not a person, not a being to interact with. Within this camp, some may understand the gospel pretty clearly, and others within this camp might not. On the other side of the spectrum, moving to the, the right, there's another camp that tends to amplify the Holy Spirit maximizing the Holy Spirit, maybe not even noticing God the Father and God the Son. Within this camp, there's a tendency, yes, to doctrinally accept, but maybe functionally idolize the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. Within this camp, uh, there might be a belief to have, if you are a Christian, you must speak in tongues. This belief that if you, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're probably not a Christian. Those within that camp would hold that view and some within this camp may understand the gospel, others may not. Now, I say that because I grew up in a Pentecostal church that preached the gospel pretty stinking clearly every Sunday morning, but I also grew up in a, a pretty conservative school, a Christian school, that hardly ever mentioned the Holy Spirit. And so if you're feeling a lot of things about the topic this morning, that's understandable and almost expected because those are kind of the spectrums that we have in front of us when it comes to Christianity and the Trinity and specifically the person of the Holy Spirit. And so today, whether you're feeling intrigued, confused, bored about the topic, no matter what you're feeling towards it, I'm excited to be in John 14 with you because today we're not going to dive into the weeds of all the different spiritual gifts and what they mean for our life. More so, we're going to have a, a 10,000 up view where, where we're flying over this topic of the Holy Spirit and what it matters for our life. Why does the Holy Spirit matter for us. And so this morning we're going to be hitting three points. They'll be on the screen as well. We'll be talking through three pillars that solidify why God, the Holy Spirit, matters. The first point will be the Spirit is God's plan for community with Him. Do you desire to have a relationship with God? If the answer is yes, then the Holy Spirit is something for you. The second point we'll be hitting on is the Spirit as God's plan for cultivating growth. Do you have a desire to keep growing in your faith? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for the last year or the last five years. Five or ten years from now, do you want to be further along in the faith? Do you want to be more understood in the Word of God? Do you want to have a ministry around you where people are knowing, loving, and obeying Jesus more and more? If you desire that, then the Holy Spirit 
is what's going to be cultivating that growth in your life. And then the third point that we'll be hitting on, the third pillar, is the spirit as God's plan for conquering chaos. Anybody ever feel chaos in life? Ever have a troubled heart? Caught up in anxiety, caught up in fear? The spirit of God conquers the chaos in this world. And so this morning, again, the the hope isn't to jump to 1 Corinthians and talk through all the different dynamics of the spiritual gifts and and what they mean for us today. No, as we're in John 14, as Jesus is interacting with his 11 disciples, before they go out, he's clarifying why the Holy Spirit is going to matter to them and therefore why the Holy Spirit matters for us today. And so I'm going to pray for us and we'll begin to work through the passage together. And so God, uh, we just thank you that we can be in here, that we can have an understanding of who you are through your spirit, that the, the, the word is here to help inform us to know who you are, God, not only factually, but intimately. And so God, I just pray over the next few minutes as, as we zoom into John 14 to understand more of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll go ahead and turn to John 14, if you're not already there, from the reading of the word. And as you are heading there, I'm just going to share a couple answers to a couple questions. The first question is a, a what question. And the what question is, what does the Holy Spirit have in the Old Testament and the New Testament? To where, to where we're at in John right now, what all do we know of the Spirit of God up until then? So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God comes from the Hebrew word ruah, which means wind. And any time we see the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, we see a force. We see breath going into something and life happening. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God, like wind, bringing life to something. One scholar says, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, we see as God's life-giving involvement in the world. Where the Spirit is withdrawn, life ceases. As we look at the New Testament, we see the Spirit coming up over and over and over again. Sometimes in partnership with Christ, other times on its own. In the New Testament, whether in the Gospels, whether in Acts, the Pauline letters, we see the Spirit continuing to be this life-giving power that brings restoration. And so where are we at in John? Where are we at in John 14 this morning? We're in the upper room. Jesus is sharing with the 11 disciples. Judas, the 12th disciple, has just gone. He's betraying Christ in this moment. And so Jesus is with the remaining 11 And he's bringing them a word of encouragement. He's just told them, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody's going to ever come to the Father except through me. And now he's helping them see why they don't have to have troubled hearts as Christ goes to be with the Father. Okay, and so with that in mind, let's check out verses 15 to 17. We're going to see the first pillar, the Spirit as God's plan for deep community with him. So in verse 15, Jesus is speaking to the 11 disciples. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. As we look at verse 16 specifically, we see Jesus bringing up this idea of the helper. Verse 16, he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I think two words are important to notice there. Another, Jesus is saying, I have been a helper for you as I've been living among you. I've been helping you. I've been encouraging you. I've been comforting you. I've been guiding you. And as I depart, I'm bringing you another helper. Helper is the other important word there. Helper is a word that, that has many meanings, meanings in the original text. So when we look at it in the ESV, it says helper. And that's good because we need a helper in our life. When we look at it in another version, it'll say advocate. And that's good because we need an advocate in our life. When we look at another version, it's going to say counselor, which is good because we need a counselor. Another version says comforter. And that's good because we need a comforter. And as we look at Jesus' words here, and he's saying I'm going to leave this with you, this helper, this comforter. The disciples are hearing that. Had big weight for them. The Greek word here, paraclete, para means I'm with you, and cleat means pleading for your cause. Here's the depth of the promise that, that Jesus is laying before his disciples, who, who are probably just feeling a wreck right now because Jesus keeps saying over and over again, I'm departing you. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. The guy who's been guiding them is leaving them. And he's saying there's going to be another helper who's going to be with you. Tim Keller does a great job of explaining this word paraclete. It'll be on the screen here as well. And if it's not on the screen, it's in my notes. Keller says, here's my translation. He that's referencing the Holy Spirit, he's the ultimate friend, a true friend, a real friend, a better friend than any friend you got, someone who is willing to be with you, before you, and will argue for you, even against the enemies of your own heart. The ultimate friend who is always with you and always for you. Jesus is admitting he's going, but he's sending another helper in his place. And it's not a helper that's just some part-time assistant helper who just kind of helps out whenever. It's the very lifeblood of a Christian's life and therefore was going to be the very lifeblood of the disciples moving forward as Jesus was going. And so the Spirit matters because the Spirit serves as a believer's ultimate friend. In verses 18 to 20, we can see another aspect of this community that the Holy Spirit welcomes us into. Read verse 18 with me. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus is saying, I, I, I'm not going to leave you stranded. 
I know as I'm having this conversation with you, this one-way conversation about me departing, you're, you're having these feelings of I'm going to be gone. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you fatherless. In fact, in verse 18, he's saying, I'm going to still come to you. Even though I'm departing, I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to leave you fatherless in the place that you're in. In verse 19, he says, though, though the world's not going to see me, you will see me. There's going to be something about this relationship, you 11, that we've had. And it's going to continue. And the world's not going to understand it yet. You won't even understand it yet, but soon you will. And so the Holy Spirit is the ultimate friend that the disciples are, are hearing of and learning of, but also faithful father that's going to not leave them orphaned. Apart from the Holy Spirit, the disciples were never going to be in community with God in the same way again. If Jesus was only ever with them for that little three-year period, and then just out of the picture for good, they would never interact with God in the same way again. But because of the Holy Spirit, this other helper, they were going to have the hope that God was with them. And so how does that work? I, I think verses 22 to 23 explains how that works very well. In 22, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself, which means like appear yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we, that's Trinitarian language, will come to him and make our home with him. He's saying, I'm going to be dwelling with you and even within you. Yes, you've had me. Yes, we, we've had all these memories from the last three years. Yes, we've been able to, to work in the trenches together. And you've seen miracles happen. And it's been exciting. And your own life has had some transformation and growth. But he's saying, hear you this. Even as I go, I'm still going to be with you. Because the Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit is God's plan for community with him. And don't we need community with God? broken creatures. We, we, we need him far more than we realize. And because of the Holy Spirit, we get that relationship. I think another thing that would have been on the disciples' mind with Jesus' departure is, oh, okay, Lord, you're leaving, but how do we keep growing? And how are we going to hold on to all this information all these one-liners that, that you've shared with us that have shook our world for the better. How are we going to keep going without you? How do we keep growing? If you've been around somebody that you hold high respect, high regard for, whether it's a mentor of yours, whether it's a, a podcaster that you happen to meet that had influence on you, if you've ever been around somebody that you just really value their wisdom, you, you watch every move that they make. You listen to every word that they say. You lean in. You're, you're like always at the edge of the chair like, wait, what was that thing that he just said? If you've had somebody like that in your life, you know that feeling of this is a precious thing that we've had this relationship and this interaction 
because we glean wisdom from other people like that. That's what the disciples had experienced with Christ. And so here they are wondering like, okay, this has been good. We've been growing. But how do we keep growing if the one who's helped grow us isn't even here anymore? And it's through the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells them it's through the Holy Spirit. Let's read 25 and 26. Jesus says, These things that I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit is God's plan for cultivating growth. The Holy Spirit is going to teach the disciples even after Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance all the things that Christ had already taught them. Right? And so when, when you think about the word of God being written and, oh, we get to, we get to value God's word today, like how, how did that happen, right? How did the word of God become the word of God? The Holy Spirit breathed truth through the hands of men and God's word became, right? And so how were the disciples going to be able to, to remember all this great stuff that had happened in them, around them? Through Christ, it's through the work of the Spirit teaching them and helping them remember the things that they had witnessed and been a part of. Though Christ would be gone, his teachings would continue as Christ was dwelling in those believers through the Holy Spirit. I think Pentecost is a great example of that. They're waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows up, begins to transform them. And as they are transformed, what happens? They grow. They, they grow in boldness. Peter's sermon is just explosive. If you've read Acts, my goodness, it is full of men and women that are excited to tell the world about this Savior who's no longer with them. How is that happening? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has taught them. And they're going forward. Through the work of God. It's the illumination of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life that carries us forward. In John 16, which we're going to get to that in a couple weeks, but we're going to just get a, a sneak preview of it today. In John 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. It's the illumination of the Holy Spirit and the disciples' life that would lead them to grow and it would lead them to then take that gospel forward to those around them. The illumination of the Holy Spirit is the thing that led them to do greater things than Christ had even done. Right? In John 14, 12, this was from last week. Jesus says to his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Because Jesus is leaving, therefore great things will happen after him. How? Not because humanity is suddenly be, going to become like really good at life. Like, oh, Jesus is gone. Now we're just going to thrive. It's not that. It's Jesus and the Father are sending the Holy Spirit. It's part of the equation for the gospel to go forward. 
post-Christ is that the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to transform those 12, and they begin to transform those around them through the work of the Spirit. Have you experienced the illumination of the Holy Spirit in your own life? Has it led to your growth? Like, can you think of ways that the Spirit has grown you in the past? Has the Spirit been growing you in in recent months, in, in recent weeks? Are you still leaning into the Spirit to be growing you? Or was the illumination of the Holy Spirit about 10 years ago when you surrendered to Christ and it's kind of just been this little pilot light ever since? There's no flame. There's no strong running after the Lord. And so we lean into the Holy Spirit to grow. It's part of God's design. Let's read verses 27 to 31 to see the final pillar of why the Holy Spirit matters. In 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world, that Satan, is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit is God's plan for conquering chaos. In verse 27, He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's not saying there's not going to be troubles coming. He's not saying there's never going to be any fear-inducing things. He's saying, let not your heart be troubled. The unshakable work of the Spirit in your life, he's showing them, can be your stability even when there is trouble even when there are fearful things happening around you and you don't know what to do with it, the Spirit intercedes with that chaos. And to hold that with you, my peace I give to you. I just find it so ironic that Jesus is sharing this with them because he's about ready to have the most chaotic 24-hour period of his life. Right? He's going to the cross. Within the next 24 hours, he's going to get betrayed. Some of his loved disciples are going to deny knowing him. His disciples in the garden are just going to scram. He's going to be just left with these people who are going to spit on him. And ultimately, cheer in the crowd, yeah, crucify him. That's the best thing we could do to this guy. And here Jesus is saying, my peace I give to you. And and they're hearing this, and it almost doesn't seem to make sense that Christ could be talking of this. But I think verse 30 tells us something. Verse 30, he says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Jesus knew that the Spirit of God within him was going to raise him from the dead. And he knew that even in the darkest hour, the most chaos his life had ever known at that point, 
that the Spirit was going to intercede and he'd be able to move ahead with God's plan. And so the Spirit conquers chaos. Yes, chaos does show up, but as believers, we get to be overcomers because of the Holy Spirit's influence in our life, and we see that in Jesus' example here, and we see it in Everything that happens after Jesus goes to be with the Father, we see the Spirit falling upon the early church. And what does the early church do? It doesn't implode. It doesn't fall apart. It grows deeper. It grows wider. And it does everything that Jesus called them to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That happens in Jerusalem, in Samaria, all of Judea to the ends of the earth through the Holy Spirit doing that work, conquering the chaos of the world. The Holy Spirit is God's plan for conquering chaos. Even though there's something very wrong here on earth, we see it in the brokenness in the world around us, even though there's something very wrong here within us, we have a God who loves us who not only sent his son to die for us, to rise again, but also so that the Father and the Son would send the Spirit so that God could dwell within us. And so even as this chaos is showing up, we get to lean in to the knowledge of that, that God is within us. When the Spirit of God shows up, he breathes life into everything that he chooses it brings him glory and it transforms us. Up on the screen will be Ezekiel 36. And Ezekiel 36, it's a fantastic passage of God sharing some truths with the people of Israel who were in a position of needing to hear some encouragement. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 36, it says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God And I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer for the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways, your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It's not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the garden of Eden and the waste and the desolate and the ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. 
The Holy Spirit matters because the Holy Spirit tills up the broken ground, the ruins, the waste, the deep places of our heart that we thought could never get mended. The Spirit does a work there so that there can be life where we thought there could only ever be death. I also love in that passage how it talks about the Garden of Eden and just the flourishing in Eden that took place then and there is the same sort of thing that God welcomes us to experience someday, now in part, later in full. And so this morning, why does the Holy Spirit matter? It's because we get to take this brokenness, this life that we've been living and and trying to struggle along, and we get to have that ground tilled to experience life with God, which is what the book of John is all about, life with God. We get to be a part of that. And so what's the application this morning? I think for some, this will be up on the screen in a cute little graphic, for some you're in a place where you're blind. Maybe you sought God a while back, but he's in your rearview mirror now, if anything. Or maybe you've never had a belief in God, and he's always just kind of been an avoided topic, or a topic you've pursued but just never understood. And some of you here this morning, you might be walking in blindness. For others, there might be this, this wondering where, where God is above you. He, you think he's there. You're not sure if he's there. You want to believe he's there, but you're just waiting for some affirmation from him or from, from someone else, something crazy happening. And you're, you're in a position of wondering. Others, you're in another spot. Climbing after God. And to you, God is a goal. You're, you're trying to just read the Bible enough. You're trying to show up to church enough. You're, you're trying to just be nice to your neighbor again for the first time. And it's this striving over and over where it's just like, man, if I, if I just make this little adjustment, I'm gonna be able to be in that relationship with God. I'm gonna be able to grow. I'm gonna be able to have that chaos in my world conquered. And if you're in one of those places this morning, the call for you, I'd say, from the text is to surrender. Is to see that apart from the Holy Spirit being in our life, we're always gonna be walking blind. We're always gonna be wondering and we're always gonna be climbing towards something. And for you, the the hope is to see that we get to be in relationship with God, even if our land has always been desolate. Even if our ground has always been full of thorns, we get to partake of this garden of Eden, this relationship with God, not just for a moment, but for eternity. And so if that's you this morning, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and let his spirit illuminate, turn the light on in your life. If you've been walking with Jesus for a little while and believe you've already made that decision that God has welcomed you into his family, I think the call for you this morning is to see the stability that we get to have as Christians, that even when there is trouble around us, we get to have this joy that just doesn't even make sense. And there's many troubling things that can happen in our little worlds, 
right? Even this last week, there might have been some, some news that you heard that just frustrated you and confused you, and you couldn't believe that it happened like this. Or maybe within the last month, there's been some tragedy in your life or around you, and it's like, what do I even do with this? This morning, the hope for you, believer, is that we get to have the Holy Spirit walking with us intimately in that experience. And so we don't have to be troubled by the troubles. Like, what joy, what freedom, and so it's a passage where we get to see and notice a truth about God and then say, okay, if I believe this, then why don't I meet with him more? Why don't I actually partake of his word? The application this week for you is the same as last week. It's read your Bible and pray. It's meet with the spirit of God through the written word. Spend some time out in nature, like carve a one-hour chunk this next week. And just get outside, even if it's cold. Go on a walk. Notice the world around you. Praise God for the beauties that he has given us. And even if everything feels like chaos or looks like chaos for you or for the, for the other person next to you, it's being able to hold that truth that the Holy Spirit is with us, that we are in community with God, that we can cultivate growth even when it doesn't make sense to and that that chaos can be conquered. And so this morning, the, the, the passage is, is pushing us towards that, intimacy with Christ. Let's be in the word. Let's be meeting with God in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you for who you are, for what you've done, for your simplicities, for your complexities. God, we just praise you. Um, this morning, I pray that uh, we would see from John 14 that, that we, can, we can have life with God through relationship with you, Lord. and um, So I just pray for each of the individuals in this room, no matter where they are at, I pray that they'd be able to sense, uh, sense truth from your word and sense a direction to go from here, God. Lord, it'd be our hope that 2023 would be a year where there is just wild transformation in our lives through the work of your spirit. And God, would we not be stubborn people, but would we let that light illuminate us so that we can grow to know you more and grow to be more like you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.